A fabringen, in Yiddish a term meaning a joyous gathering, but it's really so much more. It's insight, it's inspiration, it's the bottom line. Join Rabbi Levi Avtson, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for the Fabringen, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avtson, a, a rabbi of Linksfield Shul, and it's a privilege and an honor to be here with you on this Tuesday. Thank God this Tuesday is a bit quieter than last Tuesday. Last Tuesday we were giving the show while rockets were flying all across southern and central Israel, and thank God a week later... Far from perfect, it's definitely much better than it was last week. Lots to talk about, lots of conversations to be had. It's a fascinating parsha, fascinating time of the year. Um, personal experiences, experiences out there. There's so much to explore. And I really hope you stay with us today, the next 50 minutes, as we take on a fascinating topic which will be based on two statements, two seemingly opposing statements regarding how one should see themselves in this world, and then to really explore our role, our purpose, our opportunities, our possibilities, and so much else here on 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, Rabbi Levi Atzin from Linksfield Shul. It's a privilege and an honor to be here with you. And let's get our teeth into it. Let's start exploring today's topic. As always, the Fabringen is a exploring conversation rather than a lecture, a sheer. It's more of a um, laid-back, reflective, mixed with song. It's a different energy. I hope that... Uh, if you haven't been on the show before, you would under, you'll figure out after the next 45 minutes what at least we're trying to do in the show. And thank God it's been five, six years running the show already, and please God for many more. So, there was a great Hasidic master who said the following, that a person is supposed to have two pieces of paper in their pocket, one on the right and one on the left. And in each side, in each pocket, in each paper, there should be two very different statements. On the one, there should be the statement, Bishvili nivra ha'olam, the world was created for me, a statement from the Talmud. And in the second pocket, there should be a statement, Va'anoichi afar va'efer, and I am merely dust and ashes. The reason that this thought came to me is because in last week's Parsha, we read how Abraham, the first Jew, says those words, Vanoichi Afar I am dust and ashes. And sitting and seeing those words reminded me of that statement that a person must live in that incredible paradox that on the one hand, the world was created for me, and on the other hand, I am dust and ashes. Now, it seems to be a very random topic to address. Okay, great, nice, cute saying. See yourself as the purpose of the world and see yourself as nothing. Great, fantastic, cute tongue twister. Now, let's move on. But the truth is that there is so much wisdom with between those words. In other words, 
that opens an incredible conversation. It's just the beginning of a conversation. It's not the end of a conversation. How does one see themselves in this world? Because today's generation, today's time, according to many sociologists and just, you know, people who uh, study, observe, observers of our time, which I guess is all of us in some way, many people feel that this is the time of discovering the self. We're obsessed with self. I mean, we even have a category called self-help, which is a relatively new phenomenon in human history. The I, me, the self, um, former chief rabbi of England, Chief Jonathan Sachs, has an incredible uh, TED Talk on um, this topic, this idea of the self. Most people's issues stem from the self, in other words, the way we perceive ourself, the way we perceive our past, what we do with self, do we grow, do we not grow. The way we see our role in this world is not a nice topic to have. It's a fundamental topic to discuss. Because how you see yourself is ultimately how you be yourself in this world. Perception is reality. If I see myself in this world as a pleasure-seeking, impulse-driven, mindless action individual, then that's my life, and that's the life I live, and that's where I find my comfort, and that's what I aspire for, and that's it. That's the be-all and end of my existence. However, if I see myself as an ambassador from God with an incredible mandate to change the world, purpose and meaning in everything I do, then my life is very different. And if you think about it, you know, we often get irritated with people's behaviors and we get, you know, weirded out by how certain people interact with us. But ultimately, all of us are living based on a set of ideas so my actions towards you are based on my perception towards you. That means if I'm acting condescending, it's not the, the fact that I'm acting condescending to you, it's I'm looking at you condescendingly. And I have a condescending attitude. It means we don't often go deep enough to explore not only the behaviors of other people and the things they say, but actually the perception behind it. What, what do you think? What's your idea? How do you see things? Because... How we see this world is how we live in this world. If you see this world as a scary, um, upside-down, lawless, random universe, then life seems to be that way. And everything can fit into that model. It's almost like each and every one of us has to develop early in life a scientific thesis to make sense of this world. You know, just like very often when a scientist is trying to prepare a new the- uh, a, a new idea, what they have to do is first present a thesis and then try to build with proof and hopefully objective study, they can prove their thesis right or wrong. Each and every one of us starts at a young age with a thesis of life, how we see a theory of how life works. And that theory will determine not just 
how we see life, but how we will live life. So if you have a theory of pessimism, if you have a theory of ego, if you have a theory of that desperately low self-esteem, if you have a theory that this world is just a bunch of particles floating in a endless, in the endless universe of time and space, if that's what your perception is, then that's your reality. And that becomes your reality. What theory do we have of life? What are our fundamentals of the way we see the world? But more importantly, what's our theory of ourselves? Do I see myself as just a, you know, a random mutation of a monkey? Uh, A more developed, you know, type of being? Do I see myself as just the, the you know, the genome? I'm, I'm made up of code and a bunch of zeros and ones, and that's what makes my my DNA. And ultimately, I'm just a manufact uh, a product of my DNA. Am I genetics? Am I just you know the a biological being that came out of a natural biological um, creation and? perpetual um the the theory that people want to perpetuate the species what am i if i see myself as a merely random you know human being that came into this world by merely random circumstance of two people who wanted to bring a child into this world because they wanted to perpetuate their species if that's my whole thing in this world then the way i see myself will affect every behavior i do because i don't take myself seriously then what am I? I'm just another monkey in the zoo. I'm just another gorilla with maybe a little more intelligence. But ultimately, I'm just one of them. So, anybody judges monkeys based on morality? An ape? Do they have a moral code? Do I need a moral code? If an ape isn't loyal, is it the end of the world? If I'm not loyal, if I'm not truthful, is it the end of the world? How we see ourselves is the beginning of pretty much every single decision that we'll make in this world can be boiled down to how we see ourselves. So that question, when you look at yourself, do you see yourself as dust and ashes? Do you see yourself as the purpose of the universe? Or do you see yourself something entirely different? That's the question we want to explore here. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Rabbi Levi Aftson from Linksfield Chul. You could join the conversation on Telegram 061-895-1019, SMS 34519, tweet at FM. This is 101.9 FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Aftson on 101.9 FM. How was that song? That was absolutely awesome. Barry Weber on the... Chabad melody of the Tzemach Tzedek students. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Rabbi Levi Yafzin from Linksfield Chul. What are we here for? And truly developing the approach that we can see ourselves with the correct lens. That's what we're exploring today. Let me start with a thought from this week's Parsha. So if you open the Parsha this week, it's a story of, it's called Chai Sarah, the life of Sarah. It starts off actually at the death of Sarah. 
and then goes on to the first major shidduch, the first matchmaking story, and that's the majority of the parsha, is the episode of finding a wife for Isaac, um, for Yitzchak, by his father Avraham, who's willing to give everything away that his son should be able to find a match. And he sends his right-hand man, a guy named Eliezer. Eliezer is a servant of Eved Avram. He's a servant of Abraham, and it's his job. He's given pretty much a very um, big mandate to find the Shidduch. He's given lots of opportunities, lots of money, but very specific goals. You have to find a very specific kind of girl. And if you find her, great. If not, come back with nothing. But if you find her here, you could give her pretty much everything. As the commentary says, Shtar Nechassim, that Abraham pretty much wrote all his in all his uh, possessions away for his son and future daughter-in-law, if only they could find the right match. And the story, you know, goes on that this character Eliezer travels um, eastward towards Aram Naharayim, um, the place of Avram's birth, and he shows up over there. And at the well, he meets a young girl named Rebecca, who seems extremely kind. He, he finds out that she's actually a great niece of his master, Avraham, so she's part of the family, and etc., etc. He finally asks if he can, you know, be invited over to the house. Gets, it goes over to the house. And now it's time to present the case to Rivka's father and brother, who, um, two very corrupt characters, Father's name's Psuel, Betuel, and the brother's name is Lavan, who we'll read about much more in future parshiot and future parts of the Torah. He's the father of Rachel and Leah, the wives of Yaakov, but that's for a story for another week. And it's time for Eliezer to present himself to these two figures to allow them to be able to take Rebecca back to Israel with him to marry Isaac. He starts his conversation with a very loud three words. Vayomar, and he said, Eved Avraham Anechi. I am a servant of Abraham. That's the way he starts. He doesn't start with, Hello, nice to meet you. My name is Eliezer. I happen to be the CEO of Abraham's household. I'm a macher. I've done things in my life. No, the first thing he does says I'm a servant. So you'd think after such an introduction, what would continue is a very wimpy speech because, you know, that sounds like a wimp. What are you, just to hear the servant of Abraham? What are you? You're nothing. And then you see him talking forcefully and passionately about how he got there and why he's there. And he eventually convinces them to allow Rebecca to come. And through this couple, Yitzchak and Rivka, the Jewish people, is born. Continues and perpetuates into eternity. So, I don't understand. If Eliezer was there to make a point, why is he putting himself down? If he was there to assert himself, right, that's the big word you hear in um, courses on how to make it out there in the world and how to not be a pushover in the business world and relationships. Assert yourself. Be assertive. 100% true. 
that doesn't sound like much of an assertion when you get up and sit there saying, oh, by the way, I'm a, I'm a slave of a, some dude, Avram, on the other side of the planet, a few hundred kilometers away. So the commentaries, the rabbis, the sages have taught us that Eliezer wasn't putting himself down. He was rather putting himself into focus. What he told himself is that the greatest thing I can be is to serve something bigger than me. The greatest way for me to develop a sense of self and a sense of courage and to be assertive is by it not being about me, but about being someone bigger than me. In his case, Avraham, his master. Let me give an example. You walk into a room, Craig. Okay, you walk into a room. And you don't know anybody. Has it ever happened to you? It's happened to me. And you start getting very self-conscious. Uh, what am I doing over here? I don't know anybody at this event. Nobody's greeting me. It's so awkward. Um, gosh, what am I going to do? Should I go to the dancing floor? Who am I going to dance with? Who am I going to sit with at this event? Etc. 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 Now, you think at that moment that you're a poor little fellow who doesn't have a sense of, you know, self and is in a low self-esteem, blah, 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 and therefore you're feeling uncomfortable. But ultimately, what you're doing is, excuse it, you're spending the whole time thinking about who? Yourself. That is ego. When you walk into a room and all you can think about is how I feel. What am I doing? Oh, I'm not sure. Is it comfortable? Is it not comfortable? That's actually ego. Because the definition of ego, according to Torah, is the obsession with self. In, In other words, it's about me, how I feel. For example... Let's give uh, for the opposite from a simcha. You go into a, mo- a house of mourning. You go into a shiva house. Sitting across and it's starting to get awkward. You know, the mourner's crying, etc. You don't know what to do. So suddenly you start, you know, saying something totally um, random. Try to crack a joke. You go on a very, uh, you know, awkward conversation with the person next to you. Or you just walk away and you start chit-chatting because, you know, it's an uncomfortable space. But ultimately, why are you there? To make yourself feel good or to comfort the mourner. If you're there to comfort the mourner, then it's only about them. What they need. If they need you to talk, then talk. If they need you to be quiet, then stay quiet. Because it's not about you. The more I think about self, even though it seems to be a very, you know, like, I'm shy, I'm uncomfortable... I'm, I'm afraid of crowds. They're all wonderful words, and they're all true. And you know, and I suffer from them, some of them, and you suffer from some of them. But ultimately, at the core is ego, because if I can let go of self, all I can ask myself is, what's demanded from me now? Here I'm at the wedding. I was invited. Yeah, I don't know anybody, but I'm here. I could dance. I could get to know somebody. I can show the the, the groom and bride. I'm I'm celebrating in their joy because it's not about me. Most of us spend too much time with ourselves and too little time outside ourselves. But the truth is, the more you spend outside yourself in the way we're explaining, in other words, I don't ask what I need, but what someone else needs, the more I'm actually comfortable within my own skin. 
it's a funny thing. The, for, the more I feel about how I feel and what I want, etc., etc., obviously, to some extent, it's necessary. I'm not saying it's an all-or-nothing universe. But the more I do it, the more I actually start becoming obsessed with myself. And that never leads to a, a healthy sense of self. So every little thing is about how it makes me feel. You want to go to school today? No, I don't want to go to school. I'm not feeling well. I, I, I don't feel up to taking a job. I don't feel I could do this. I'm uncomfortable in public spaces. I'm uncomfortable in private spaces. I'm uncomfortable in relationships. I'm uncomfortable in this. I'm comfortable. And some said, you said, stop telling us what you are. Just go. Let go. Stop, go, you know, walking around with a whole set of rules of how I am and what I am and what I do in each space. Let go. We're too self-obsessed. And often that statement goes, you know, like we're just chasing pleasures. I'm not talking about in that. I'm talking about we're too often thinking about what I want instead of what's necessary. How do I feel in this marriage? Yes, that's important. You can't totally neglect self. But when that goes too far, when I cross the tipping point, then the marriage is no longer a marriage. It's just a one-way relationship where you are there to make me feel good. Like the famous uh, story of the guy that's on a date and talks about himself for three hours. And finally, after three hours, he turns to her and says, now that's enough of me talking about me. Now you tell me what you think of me. It's all about me. It's all about what I feel, what I want, what how, how I, you know. And I can't let go. And that's what often I feel that talking to other people and even talking to myself at certain times, I'm locked in. We're locked into that what do I do? What do I want? What don't I want? Is this what, you know, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And some stage, it's not about that. It's about what is needed, not what you need. It's what is needed of you. And what Eliezer, the servant of Avram, is standing up and saying, it's not about me. And believe me, he had reason to be upset because he had a daughter who he wanted to marry to Isaac. And we're told that Avram gave him a very rough no and said, pretty much, you're not from, you know, you, we don't come from the same stock. He came from a very different kind of family, and it's not the right one for my son Isaac. And the guy still manages to overcome that sense of hurt and sit and being an, a proud servant of his master. Says, I'm a servant of Avram. And therefore, because it's not about me and it's not about what I want, but about something and somebody bigger than me, I can assert myself. When it's, 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 it's an, it's a fascinating idea, this idea that when I give myself over to something higher than me, it makes me stronger than I have ever been. But when I give myself over to me, I'm weak because ultimately, what am I? I'm just a, a mere, you know, fallible mortal. I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. I, I don't even have all the questions. Forget about all the answers. So when my whole sense of self is based on myself, that's a very unstable sense of self. But when my sense of self is, I'm a man of God. Not because, you know, I'm a clergyman. No, I'm a man of God because I was put in this world by God. Each and every one of us is a man or woman of God. We were put here by the Creator. And I was put here with a purpose. And I was designed with a purpose. And who I am is exactly what God wants me to be. And he just wants me to play my part. When it's about something, a being so much greater than me, then I walk out with a strong, with a straighter back. And I walk out feeling more positive. And I can get on the radio and sit there sharing a thought because it's not about me. But imagine I spend the whole 45 minutes of the show, the whole hour show, just thinking about me. 
How do I feel? What's going on? Am I enjoying the show? Am I not enjoying the show? Is it interesting? Is it not interesting? What are the listeners thinking? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at some stage, the whole show is going to collapse. And I have nothing to say because ultimately all I'm stuck is in my own head. The only way we can go out is at some stage just let go. And, you know, go on the show and sit there saying, God, you've given me the opportunity once a week to be on a radio show, to engage with a variety of listeners across the world talk about you know topics that are relevant in their lives put yourself out there forget about you for 45 minutes and hopefully even for longer and engage the gift of holding on to something holding on to a tree that's so much more stable than my flimsy sense of self this is 101.9 high fm this is the fabringen with rabbi levi afton on 101.9 high fm so I want to connect what we've been talking about for the last few minutes to an event that's going to be happening in New York this weekend, and I'm going to have the opportunity to at least be a small, tiny part of it, and that is it's a yearly conference. If you've been on Chai FM for the past years, you'll know that it's always about this time of the year, early, mid-November, where emissaries, Chabad emissaries across the world come, the men come together for a conference and in February, it's the women. Um, practically, it wouldn't work to have it both together for many reasons. Fundamentally, because this week, my wife babysits for me. And then, when she goes, I babysit for her. And that's the, that's the way it works in most families. Um, and thousands upon thousands of people, and I'm sure if you've been around this planet, you've heard the name Chabad, you've heard the name Lubavitch, and you've maybe even reached out to a rabbi, Rebetzin, somewhere in the world for help when you were touring, or you're in a community that the rabbi and Rebetzin are, you know, Chabad, and, or Chabad house, etc. And I have to say that, for me, it's one of the great phenomena of our time, that 5,000 very normal average people give themselves over to something so much bigger. So I'm not talking about, you know, I consider myself actually to have a relatively easy journey. I live in a beautiful Jewish community in Johannesburg, part of a wonderful community, have a, my kids go to Torah schools, have kosher food in abundance. Unfortunately, some restaurants are closing and some restaurants are opening, but ultimately I can't really complain. Compared to the life I had in New York, it's not that much less in opportunities. But I think of a friend who lives in Cambodia or Shenzhen, China or Mauritius or Alaska or small town in Montana or Northern California or even one hour away out of Brooklyn, New York in, a, in Westchester County in the middle of nowhere. And every day they have to schlep their kids one hour to get a, a, an education. Or the guy in Japan who has to put his kid on a screen, so he's in an online school, and his friends are all across the world, and they only see each other maybe once a year in real life, and the rest of the time it's through a screen. And I often ask myself, I've known these guys, I, you know, I know myself, and I've known the friends I grew up with. And it's not as if, the, my, you know, some of my friends went into business, some of my friends went into teaching, and some of them went into outreach. And... If I had to select and sort of saying, you know, it was the most elitist group of kids that went into outreach, not necessarily. It's a hodgepodge. 
some of the more talented students and some of the less talented students, some of the more dynamic fellows and some of the less dynamic fellows, and yet each one of them in their own way is having success. Why? Not because as a group they're any, you know, more talented than any other group. Well, people, you know, who try to understand the Chabad movement and what makes it tick, the one ingredient is that the Rebbe built up such a strong idea of the responsibility of each Jew to go out to the world. So that when each couple goes out into the world, all they're doing is hanging on to this powerful idea and a powerful leader who taught that idea. And therefore, when they hold on to something which is bigger than themselves, they become bigger than themselves. You know, often people, you'll see this week in the newsletters, in newspapers all across the world, what's the secret of Chabad? What's the secret of Chabad? As if it's like there's some hidden secret. I don't think there is. I really don't. I mean, I, I look at my group of friends, I don't see any major secrets hanging, hanging around. It's very simple. When you commit to something bigger than yourself, you become much more uninhibited. And you get released. You release within yourself this most incredible talent and energy. I remember it came home to me when I was 16 and 17 and I was with a, with a, a whole family that, you know, grew up in different communities than I did. And came Shabbos and one of them turns to me and says, you know, Levi, come share a Torah thought. And I said, listen, there's people five years, 10 years my older than me, 20 years older than me, who are much wiser. Why don't they share? And they said, yeah, but you're a Chabadnik and you're taught from the youngest age to go teach and learn. So you obviously have something to share. And for me, I found that fascinating because I looked around at my relatives and some of them were much more knowledgeable than I was. But their knowledge wasn't taught to them with a mandate to go teach, to go use it, to change the world. For, by us, when we were growing up from the youngest age, 9, 10, even younger, we're going out on the street corners and we're asking people, excuse me, sir, are you Jewish? Would you like to put on film? Would you like a Shabbos candle? Would you like to learn some Torah together? And what that does, what that does and what that did to each and every one of us is it made us feel that we're committed to something so much bigger. It's not about me and what I'm here for, but rather it's, it's about the purpose of creation. I'm given over to something huge. Like I remember having a conversation with a fellow and I asked him, I said, what do you live for? He says, ultimately, I'm a nice Jewish kid and my passion in life is to get a portion in the world to come. Now, that's awesome, and we believe very much in this idea of a portion to the world to come, but sorry, forgive my French, I find a very selfish reason to do anything. Ultimately, I'm not here to serve God. I'm here to serve my portion in the world to come. How is that selfless? How can I release myself from my own inhibitions if all I'm doing is serving myself? Yes, I'm serving God, but with the intention of me having a good world to come. But when a person can serve God, it's not about me. And yes, there is a world to come. And please God, you know, each person gets the reward. But that's not what the aspiration is. The aspiration is to fulfill the purpose I was put into this world. And to believe that God put me here for something so much more than I can ever imagine myself. That he believes in me so much more than I believe in him. Then it it lets go. It allows us to let go and to do incredible stuff. I have a classmate who literally, I remember him in school. I don't think the guy ever pulled off one decent activity program 
in school. He was totally not an organizer. There was nothing really to write home about. And today, somewhere in the United States, he built a center. And within 10 years, that place is booming. And it's super successful on so many areas. And he's giving incredible speeches. And he's gone on the circuit. And he's changing people's lives. And literally every week, I'm getting his emails. You know, I like putting myself on the database of various rabbis across the world, see what they do. And the guy's unbelievable. I'm like, where did this guy come from? He was so average. Because he committed himself to an idea that's so not average. And he committed himself to a person who didn't see him as average. The Rebbe never saw anybody as average. He saw each and every one of us as exceptional. And when a person commits to that idea and goes and studies the Rebbe's teachings and tries to understand the Rebbe's worldview, we actually start seeing things the way the Rebbe saw things. We start seeing ourselves so much more than, than the way we see ourselves naturally. And at that moment, we truly become exceptional. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 Chai FM. So the question, who am I, is a, is a question that we should never really answer on ourselves. Because if my whole perception of myself is myself, and I am a, you know, shaky mortal, I'm constantly in self-doubt. I have stuff. I have issues, etc. Then my sense of self will be as shaky as my past. In other words, I'm going to see myself through my own broken lens. But if I could see myself the way somebody great sees me, if I could see myself the way God sees me, wow, then I'm exceptional. So the question is not, who am I? But it's rather, how does God see me? Why am I here? Why did he put me here? What does he know about me that I don't know about myself yet? If I was able to have a conversation with God and he would answer me, And I would ask him, God, who am I? What's my story? What do I think he would say? Would he tell me I'm less than the way I think I am or more? Without a question more. God doesn't create junk. God doesn't create useless, meaningless, broken people. He creates angels. He creates superpowers. He creates each and every one of us with infinity, with potential of transformation on ourselves and those around us. And the mandate is upon each and every one of us to believe in ourselves at least a drop the way Hashem believes in us. Because we get it all wrong. We think about life's journey is to get ourselves to believe in God. That's true. But more importantly, it is life's journey is to get ourselves to believe in ourselves the way He believes in us. Life's not only about discovering our faith in Him. Life's about discovering His faith in us. Because when a person can allow themselves to see themselves through a greater perspective, a greater prism, then they're unleashed. And a godly energy unleashed is the most powerful thing in this universe. 
Each and every one of us can truly transform the world. Each and every one of us is made of real stuff. Each one of us is put on this world for 80, 90, 100 years and told, go. Say Minateva, go out of your box and do something. Not for your sake, not because you need a self-esteem, but because God put you here and he wants and begs each and every one of us to play our part. Let's play our part. Wishing you and yours a good Shabbos. Have a great week. May each and every one of us merit to see ourselves the way God wants us to see ourselves. And let's just let go a little bit of our own insecurities because they're just inhibitions on our way for greatness. 101.9 Chai FM.